Thank you for welcoming us into your headphones. My name is Chema. And I am Sam Fableman. Reviewing the Fablemans. This is, <laughs> is the, the rollback. Rollback. All right, oh. the Fablemans. Capture every moment, a coming-of-age story about a young man's discovery of a shattering family secret and an exploration of the power of movies to help us see the truth about each other and ourselves. So this is the new Steven Spielberg movie, uh, which is partly inspired by his childhood. I am loving this little trend that we're having of directors making movies about their childhood. Like we had uh, Cuaron, he did, he did Roma. We had... Uh, uh, Paul Thomas Henderson, who did Licorice Pizza. You know, we're getting a lot of the Like, we got uh, Kenneth Branagh with uh, Belfast, and now we have this one. Uh, I'm, li I'm liking this this little trend. Uh, it's nice. Um, quick question before we start. You're wearing a headset with the microphone to the top. Are you using that microphone, or are you using a different microphone? No, I'm using my snowballs right here on the side. That's why okay. I have this up. Okay, good. I was, yeah. I, was, I was afraid that, you know. Yeah. Okay, there you are. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so that is the fave of Men's. Uh, I saw it last week, and uh, it's most likely gonna end up at the Oscars because it's Spielberg and it's a movie about movies and it's got a, a big cast. And uh, I have thoughts on it. I want to, I know you're definitely uh, knowing you as I know you, I know you're definitely gonna have some notes on this, and I want to hear them. So, what did you think of the fave of Men's? Uh, off the top of my head, um, I really, really enjoyed it. I did not think I was going to enjoy it. It's a trend that's, and I'm happy to be wrong, where I think a movie is going to be a uh, a chore and it turns out to be incredible. Um, okay. Although I'll say this though, when I first saw the trailer, I really wanted to see it because it's a movie about making movies. Um, <clears throat> we are, and I, I want to be very clear, I'm not comparing myself to Steven Spielberg when I say this, but it's nice to watch like a storyteller come up, if that makes sense. Absolutely. You know what I mean? No, I, I I completely understand where you're going. I I I could relate to to Sammy in a lot of ways. Um, that moment, I, I I love that. You know, you can tell how much Spielberg was inspired by his own uh, upbringing and stuff. Um, he says that it's loosely based on his on his childhood. I don't believe it. I think this happened beat by beat. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a lot of like I love how the movie starts like straight up like it's not oh this is his family it's just immediately like hey we're taking you to the movies we're gonna watch this movie you're gonna like it and you know you'll see and I love how we showed his not his obsession but definitely his fascination with uh with just how things are made and and how he goes to uh, recreate that train thing that he saw in the movie with like a model train. And an expensive model train at that, mind you. It's a very expensive, yeah, a very expensive model train. And there's a lot of things happening in this movie. And it's a two and a half hour long movie. Like it's a long movie. And while I did really like it, I think my favorite parts were from the middle to the end. Like the movie just got better. But at the big, like when he's a kid and he's growing up, I, I was not too fascinated with that with those scenes. But the second that he hits the high school, and all the way to the end, to the final shot, uh, I was on the floor. Like I, I was, I was, um, I was amazed by the amount of uh, attention and tenderness and and you know care that was being put into this movie. Definitely. Um, one thing I noticed about this film is is 
Spielberg is a master storyteller. I, I feel like it's fair to say that. I, I have given Spielberg a lot of flack in the past. Fully admit it. I do. I have. Yeah. Um, but in this particular case, damn, from the get-go, within the first, like, I think 45 seconds, you kind of get the the big differences between father, between the father and the mother. Whereas the mother is like, it's magical. It's incredible. Like going to the movies, the son, the dad's like, no, no, no. It's pictures that move really, really fast. That give you the idea that these things are big, like two very different ways of approaching a child who doesn't understand. Um, And ultimately those two big differences result in the implosion of their marriage. Um, but it feels like it's more layered and it's more tragic than anything else. It's not like, oh, you know, he's bad or she's bad. It's more like you feel sorry to some degree for like how everything happens and how it goes down. It feels tragic. It feels like we're watching the destruction of a real family. Um, but not just that, not just the marriage of the parents, but also uh, Spielberg as a kid and his uh, complications with his dad. Where his dad says, you know, it's just a phase, and he's and who amongst us have never been in that point where it's like it's not a phase, dad. It's who I am. Yeah, yeah. yeah he kept referring to making movies as a hobby, like over and over. Like yeah. even after he requests his son to make a movie to make his mom feel good, you know, yeah, it's a constant thing that they're going through. And uh, now that you mentioned the parents, let's talk about the parents because Paul Dano plays the dad, and Michelle Williams plays the mom, and. Michelle Williams is always, always playing such a powerful, like, structured performance. Like, she never half facets it, and she's always in movies like this and Venom. Like, it's just, it's always, like, like it's always she, those two. She's way, uh, like, yeah, she's way a little too talented. Good for that. I, yeah. I, I'm not, I wasn't going to say that, but, yeah, she's pretty damn talented. Um, yeah. She plays a very lyric performance in this. She plays a mother that's trying to keep it together and be a good wife uh she plays a a lot of things throughout this film uh a mother who's trying to keep it together a wife who does kind of like butt heads with her husband um she has this affair with her husband's best friend who like it it was spoiled for me i already knew about the affair like um there was someone who made a video essay about it about how Spielberg uh, learned that you don't owe anyone your life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but these little nuances that you can pick up, even when you're a kid, you don't notice it. But the older you get, you're more like, no, nah, those two are too close. Like, like it's not friendship. Yeah. That's something else. Yeah. Um, and you feel bad for the father, but the mother isn't all there mentally. Like, she has signs of... Timon. Yeah. Okay, so um, she it, she does show signs of having some degree of a mental condition. Um, she's she has uh, the father says you know she has bouts of depression randomly. She hears her mother calling her over the phone after she passes away. Like there there's things going on there. She has these highs and lows, um, and I mean it's it's, it's so all over the place. Um, what do you think of the relationship between the parents and their kids? I mean, the relationship with the parents and the kids is great because, like, they, they they show interest in the in, in their stuff. Like, even is even while the dad tells him that it's a hobby, like he's there, like he's helping the him. The stagecoach, like, that's right. I was like, movies. wow, his dad's helping him. Yeah, his dad is there. Like, they go to see the movies that he makes. Like, they don't they don't 
they they do tell him that it's a hobby, but they don't stop him. You know, um, there is like something. Uh, you know, I I I I don't know if it's the if it's because it was another time or anything, but for example, that scene when the daughters go, there's a tornado. And the mom is like, great, let's go drive to it. I like, thought the same thing. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with I'm you? I'm like, what is that? Yeah. Uh, but it reminded me of, uh, well, you've seen Mad Men, right? Yeah. Do you remember that scene? There's a scene in Mad Men where they go to have a picnic. I think it's at a park or at a beach. And then when they finish the picnic, they just kind of like lift up the, the little mantle and they, they just shake it. And then they just throw everything like, like they just leave the trash there. Yes. That's yeah. Like, up, yeah. That threw me off, but then, but then I was like, "That's in the what time is the is the is Mad Men? Sixties, 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 close to it." Yeah, the world was not as you know fucked up pollution pollution wise as it is now, so maybe that was just more normal. But I don't know. It gave me those same vibes, which I think when their kids is also the sixties. I think, um, yeah. Um, other than that, but you know, you don't do understand that she's not driving to the kids to take them to a tornado. She's driving away because she can't be around the husband at the moment uh, yeah which you know we talk about michelle williams paul dano you know he's been an ongoing growing talent and he gained a lot of hearts this year when he played the riddler but then in this one it's like the complete opposite of that like <laughs> he can he can play creepy really well but he can also play like that that like stern dad at the same time well, it's weird also because I see Paul Dano and and I don't mean this in an insult, Paul. I have the same problem. We both have faces that look a lot younger than we are. He's so a baby. A, he got a baby. He got a baby face. Yeah. I, and Paul, again, I'm not insulting you, man. I have a baby face too. Okay, that's why I have a beard and the and, and mustache and all that to try to look a little older. That said, he convincingly plays an older man in this not just as a father when the kids are like you know eight and five or whatnot but also when sammy's going to college and he's yeah. like you know 18 19 20 years old you know with the white hair he he gives a lot of nuance even when um there's a scene at the very end where sammy's mom sends him some pictures of a barbecue this is after the parents are divorced and the mom goes and marries benny and stuff and whatnot uh, the dad's going through these pictures and he walks away from Sam because he doesn't want to express his emotions in front of him too much. But you see heartbreak in those eyes for only the few seconds. And not many actors can do that very well. Paul Dano is definitely the exception. Yeah, he definitely knocks her apart. The, both uh, Paul Dano and Michelle, Wynn, they're both going to be nominated like for sure. I don't know. I don't think any of them will win, but I believe both of them will be nominated um i think gabriel deserves a chance i think at the either as supporting actor or as main actor i think the kid this movie lived or died by that kid's performance and like he went all the way to a point where i i saw an interview he adjusted his walk the way he tilts his head and the way he uses his arms to mimic young spielberg like he I, he physically adjusted the way his entire body was to try and mimic the director more yeah and you know he's great and spielberg has this thing where like he loves like starting the careers of like young actors like he did it he's been doing it since jurassic park you know he did it in et like that childlike sense of whimsy and wonder like is always ever present in his movies and especially in movies like this and yeah you you have to capture that if you're going to capture like a, a young spielberg 
Um, so he was great. You know, he he managed to portray him as both as like a younger man who's going through, you know, growing up, you know, first girlfriend, uh, first bullies. Um, all of that is, is I think, handled really well. You know, and I, I, I want to be sensitive when I say this. I did not realize how rampant anti-Semitism was back then. <laughs> like, oh, it's, dude. It's bad. Yeah. Dude, they leave a bagel in his in his locker. Oh, that, yeah. that that's the equivalent of leaving like a taco in in the locker of a Mexican kid. Like Mike, like I didn't know that was a thing back then. Like yes, you know what's I, the worst part? Like if you had left a taco in my in my locker, I would have been like, ooh, tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Chema, they spin them. No, <laughs> but no, like I didn't realize how rampant anti-Semitism was, and you see these assholes fuck with this kid for no reason. Yeah. Like granted, he like he accidentally like slams uh I think a volleyball on someone's face, but dude, that's an accident. Like yeah, but they just fuck with them so much. And then um he's entrusted to like record senior skip day, you know, at the beach or whatever. Yeah. And he puts together this movie, and weirdly enough, it like endears him to the bully, but then the bully beats the shit out of his anti-Semitic friend. Yeah. To, and and it's like you know it's not always like the movie's kid or whatever and he's like we're gonna get the girl aren't you like it's like this weird uh, moment that can that can only happen in real life where there's a lot there's a big loss and a minor win and somehow you endear yourself to someone you shouldn't give a fuck about it's just it's it's all over the place it's not bad but i'm just saying it's all over the place and that's what being a teenager is like and and I, I think it's captured like beautifully. Like one of my favorite little subtle scenes is uh there he's recording senior skip day and he's it's like the last scene of that of that part and he has the camera and then his girlfriend kind of comes up behind him and like puts her head on his shoulder and then he's he keeps recording and then she kind of just like motions at him and then he just like like puts the camera to her to her eye like that's such a quick little scene that was uh, i'll just say it it was fucking adorable like yeah uh, like that scene was so was so neat and so uh so sweet and it captured the dynamics of you know some days you're at the bottom some days you're at the top like it 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 it, it goes it goes all ways and uh oh god those scenes were great you were texting me about uh when she brings him to her room and she has like all the Jesus memorabilia. That that girl is gonna have fun in the seventies. I swear to you, <laughs> she's gonna love the seventies. Yeah, uh, I would love an update from her. Actually, how is she? Is she still alive? <laughs> um, yeah, so no, they were great. And uh, what else? What else? What else? Uh, fucking Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen is in this movie. You, Seth Rogen, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and do you think that, that at some point like Spielberg was in the casting stage and he saw Seth Rogen and is like yeah that sounds like the guy that would woo my mother Let me just... <laughs> <laughs> he's funnier than my dad yes him <laughs> no That's like cool. he plays like a subtle guy like I was watching it uh, with uh, with some family and it took them like uh, like 30-40 minutes to be like is that fucking Seth Rogen like it took them a while because uh, you know we're so used to seeing Seth Rogen just play Seth Rogen, but people forget he can do trauma and do subtly personal performances very, very like well. 
Didn't he play um, Steve Wozniak in in one of the Steve Jobs movies? He was so good in that. He was like uh, stupidly good in that. You know, it's insane though how like comedy actors typically play are comedy actors are typically really really good when it comes to playing um, dramatic. Yeah, like it's weird, but it's true. And not and weirdly, not all dramatic actors can do comedy. So, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's done quite a bit. Long shot, line, yeah. Yeah, no, makes sense. Wait, he was in the Chippendale Rescue Rangers movie. He played like uh, the uh, like he's the play- guard. He's playing Donkey Kong. Yeah, he's playing Donkey Kong. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. That's what yeah. sold me on the Mario movie. Not not Chris Pratt. It, it was Seth Rogen. So Jack Black as Bowser didn't sell you. That too, actually. You know what? You're right. It's I'm there for the supporting cast. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, so he's he's good in this. Like he's he's in half. He's the first half of the movie, and he's good in it. Like he almost plays like uh like he supports uh Sammy like by getting him that really good expensive camera. Yeah, and like he, not even letting him pay for it. Yeah, he even see. Here's the thing. He has he plays the unenviable role of being the other guy. Yeah. And he has that moment, and I'm not sure if he knows that Sammy knows. I'm not 100 yeah. if he does or doesn't, but he's kind of giving him this gift, and it's it's this weird resentment also of like, "Fuck you! You're the reason why my mom and my dad are separating." But that's a kid's point of view, yeah, right. That's how kids see things. You're the reason why. Um, I think in Friends, uh, Chandler said it at one point. I don't want to be the reason why a kid. I don't want a kid to hate me because he's, they see that I'm the reason why my mom and my dad aren't together. Yeah. Um, and he plays that part very well. Um, but as we all know, it's more complicated than just, well, that guy caused it. It's because his parents have this don't very... Gel. Yeah. Huh? They don't gel the way that the mom and him does. No. Well, the thing is, is the dad's so grounded and the mom's such a free spirit, but they're such opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, Which makes it more heartbreaking because that scene when they break the news to the kids, like that was a hard watch. You know, it almost felt like I shouldn't be watching it. Like that felt too personal, you know? Yeah. And there's a moment where, you know, one of the sisters goes to Sammy and she's editing this movie and she goes like, why are you doing this? Like at this moment? And he's like, I I have to do this. Like, I can't do anything else. Like me not doing this is not going to stop what they're doing. And the sister says, like, a really heartbreaking line. Like, she says something along the lines of, like, you know, my dad was the best audience that my mom could have ever wanted. Like, he was always her best audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, maybe she didn't want to perform for him, but he was always watching her. You know? Yeah. And uh, and that pretty much sums it up. Like, the, like, even though the dad and the mom, like, don't gel in the same way, like, you cannot deny how much he fucking loved her. And uh, which makes it all, you know, more heartbreaking and more sad. And I can imagine what, you know, what that makes Spielberg go through. Spielberg's parents both passed away in the past couple of years. So, uh, and he decided to make this movie like a tribute for them. And I don't think Spielberg is going to retire. But if this was his last movie, like, it would be a great note to go out on. I mean, though, I, I don't think he's going to retire. But yeah. Doesn't he still have to do Ready Player One Part Two? Uh, they haven't announced that. 
But he did ready. Yeah, he did. West ready for one. West. He's not signed up for anything after this. Oh shit! We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I don't know. I think. I think he would. He, he would tell us when that. When that when happens. He, uh, when, or he could just you know go off into the sunset. Yeah. Also, oh my god! Speaking of that. So the movie ends with uh, with young Sammy getting a letter from from CBS, um, one uh, for an interview, and he's being interviewed by Greg Grumberg, who I love, and uh, and he's like, oh well, you know, we have this idea for the show, and you want to make movies, right? And he's like, yeah, I want to make movies. And he's like, okay, how would you like to meet the best director of all time? And he's across the hall, and he <laughs> goes to an interview with John Ford, played by, by Dick, David, David Lynch. Lynch. <laughs> and it was so beautiful. Like, man, like, I love David Lynch so much. And just the fact that he comes in. I love the fact that in Spielberg's mind, the best director of all time, like, it's David Lynch. Like, it's not David Lynch, but it's David Lynch. And I love how he just does his Lynchisms. Like, the way that he talks is so funny. And, like, the way that he just reads the room is so funny. He likes his like, cigarette in a weird, like... Yeah, and he does I mean, He makes thing. him wait, though. Yeah, he makes him wait, and then he just sits down, and he's like, you want to make movies? He's like, yeah, look at that picture. And then he, he tells him the whole uh, uh, sun thing, and it's like, when it's at the top, it's interesting. When it's at the bottom, it's interesting. When it's in the middle, it's boring as shit. That's all you need. Go, go make movies. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have what I think is... Probably the most loveliest, the loveliest ending to a movie this year, which is with him walking out of the set and walking towards like all the warehouses and he's skipping, like he's happy. He's finally like about to make it. And then the camera like slowly pants adjusts to have the, to have the, to like, have that. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like, nope, nope, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Show, yeah. Probably the best final shot of a movie this year. Absolutely perfect. What's called? Um, I gotta wonder how much of this really. Because Steven Spielberg said it's semi autobiographical, but I want to know at the very end of it how much of that was true. Did he really meet uh, John Ford? I want to know. I I don't know. I do know that like five years after the like the ending of the Fablements, uh, Spielberg was already directing. Uh, what's it called? The uh. The Pilot of Colombo, and then uh, yeah, and then uh, I think he was twenty six or twenty seven when he directed Jaws. Who made The Shining? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Sco- uh, that that was Kubrick. Kubrick, wasn't there a thing where uh, Kubrick Spielberg, um, and someone else were all together? So Kubrick and and Spielberg were really tight friends. But they were also like very, what's it called, envious of each other, I guess. Oh, really? Like, like they, they they had a really nice rivalry. Like they were friends, but they were also like, because they both had what each other wanted. Like Kubrick wanted to do those like crowd pleasing big movies that reached a big audience and made a lot of money. And Spielberg always wanted the respect and the artist that Kubrick had. And their plan was to work together and make the the movie AI, um, and it the, it went back and forth between one of them directing and the other producing. And then at the end, well, Kubrick passed away, uh, 
and uh, Spielberg was like, "I'll just finish this like for him." Like he would. I owe it to my it. friend. I owe it to my friend. Yeah, and if you watch AI, AI is not a great movie, and there's a lot of scenes where Spielberg wants to like almost imitate that Kubrick style. And the movie's not perfect, like not at all, but I believe it is what his friend would have wanted. So yeah, it's a good story, that one. It's so the I remember just thinking how sad the ending was. Where the where the boy shuts off, like when him yeah. and his mom go to take a nap and they yeah. like they're frozen in that moment. Yeah. I just remember even as a kid being like, This is so depressing. I'm never watching this again. And I never did. Yeah, like I said, the movie I don't think is very good, but I do think it's uh there's something very like special, the fact that he did it for his friend. Yeah. It's a uh, it stands out when it when you uh apply it to his filmography, it's like that's the weird duck, but you understand. Yeah. Fair. A copy from a man that gave us nothing but hits. I mean, really, like none of his movies have flopped. I mean, he's had a few flops. Not money wise, I mean, critically, yeah, a couple, but not money wise. He, I believe, he's actually the most successful film director of all time, box office wise. He's number one. Number two Possibly. is Cameron. No, no, like he is. Like there's a scale. His films okay. total have have grossed over ten billion dollars. Next closest, the one who will surpass him is James Cameron. James Cameron's at uh, seven point five billion. Yeah, but Spielberg has more movies, and that's the. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's fair. like in I mean, quantity, he has more. And also like, yeah, Spielberg, you know, he's done like the most box office, biggest movies of all time. But this man gave us like Jaws and Close Encounters and only Indiana Jones and E.T. and Color Purple and Hook and uh, Jurassic Park and Saving Private Ryan and Catch Me If You Can and, and uh, fucking even recently, like with uh, The Post and West Side Story and... Uh, Lincoln and fucking I love the terminal. Like nobody talks about the terminal, but I fucking love the terminal. Um yeah, <laughs> this man's resume is amazing, and you know, you can't can't deny that. So I love this movie. I love the uh uh getting to know the man behind the camera uh a lot. Uh there's a great documentary also about uh, about Spielberg, but I I like this personal approach more, especially because it's himself telling the story. Um Definitely gonna be a lock for a lot of uh, a lot of Oscars. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I also love the fact that they kind of dive into how to amateurly make some films, and I feel like Spielberg did that on purpose to try and give some kids a leg up, like Definitely. how to how to fake like a shooting behind you where you jump on thing like ah or the the pop rocks or the the balloons where you just pop it and it looks like blood. Yeah, like that. <laughs> those are little things that I love because I feel like he. One, I feel like that's like a bit of him going back like, oh, yeah, that's how we did that back in the day. But also, I feel like there are some kids that are going to watch this that want to make movies that are like, that's how we can make it look like that. Yeah. You know? Definitely. They're going to yeah, try when, those things. When he told his dad, like, how how did you make that thing with the with the guns? He's like, I poke holes into the film. It's like, that was great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then that and then also... Uh, I love the scene where he's directing like like the, the, the little war movie and he tells the actor like, okay, you're going to walk from here to there and you're going to look really sad. It's like, you want me to act? Like, I just came here to shoot, to shoot, to shoot people. It's like, no, you're going to act. And then he just kept going. 
And they're like, are you going to tell him to cut? Oh, yeah, cut. Because <laughs> he just kept walking towards the horizon. Yeah. I feel like that was another, like, nod to young, direct- to young directors where it's like, look, you're going to deal with some idiots sometimes. <laughs> you're going to deal like, with just some... Be, just be very specific when you're, when you're giving your instructions. Yeah. But no, I mean, I really did enjoy this film. Um, this movie... I mean, easily, it's an A. I don't know if it's going to be my top 10. I need to re-examine the list, which yeah. that list is going to be fucking tough. Yeah, this is probably the top. Me too. Like, even yesterday, I was, like, scrambling and moving things around and just flat out leaving some movies that I had really high on the list. Um, yeah, uh, to me, it's a, it's a 4.5 out of, out of, out of 5. Uh, I think it's damn great. I think it's uh, I think it's wonderful. I think it's lovely. I think it's definitely worth the the two and a half hour mark. Um, because for example, I was kind of wondering like, hey, where is this going? What is happening? And I was like two hours in, and I was like, it's almost over. Like, what what's gonna happen in the last like 20, 30 minutes? And it was all worth it. I think it's definitely a movie to to look out for. I also don't don't know if it's gonna end up in my top ten of the year, but I'm really glad that I watched it. Um yeah anything else not really um if this is his swan song it's not a bad way to go out but i don't think so i think he'd i think it'd be more of a announcement then it, like he's too big for it to just be like a side thing where it's like oh yeah by the way i'm out like i feel like he would be like this is gonna be my last film this is and if he had said that before and said like this is my last film it's a personal film for me this movie would not have flopped at the box office. This movie would have been a titan among titans. Like, even with Avatar in the box office, Spielberg is such a big name. I truly believe it would have made some serious money. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But now we I just. Yeah. We no, can't. Uh... You can't judge something based off just money. Exactly. Um, but there's so much here. There's so much heart. And uh, David Lynch, best supporting actor nomination. When? I need it. I need it. Give it to me. They're not going to do it. (laughs) They're not going to do it. Like David Lynch, best supporting actor nomination. When? Please, 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 please. please. No. Not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You can win the MTV award for best cameo. Just for me. Just for me. Please, 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 please. please. I have to serve a little fun. Just just a little. No. Zero. (laughs) Huh. Michelle Williams got top billing in this one. Well, yeah. She's like the biggest name. That shit. Besides Spielberg. Um. (laughs) I want a question. What I sh- what I'm saying is that every movie theater crowd should cheer like they do at Marvel movies when David Lynch shows up. It's it's exactly what should happen. So I'm saying. I'm gonna be real with you, man. I didn't recognize him. <laughs> I already knew that he was in it. I was just I was just kind of waiting for him to show up. No, it wasn't until after when I looked it up. That I was like, oh shit, David Lynch. <laughs> Matt, she is too good for for the Venom series, and that's because yeah, I really like is. Venom. I really like Venom, but like <laughs> it's a bit she's a it's a bit below her pay grade. Man. Yep. Uh, okay. okay. Any final All thoughts? Right. Um no, just watch it. Watch it. Uh I love that I'm gonna I might rewatch it again, like a little bit before the Oscars, just because it really gets me into that mood of like remember that Keanu Reeves video where, where he's like, I love movies. I love watching them and I love making them. I love movies, man. Remember that video? No. 
Oh, I'll send, I'll send it to you later. Like that's how, like what, like coming out of that movie, that, that's how I was feeling. It was great. I've um, never seen that one. I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me, I saw Avatar yesterday and the John Wick 4 trailer played mm-hmm. before it. Yeah. Not gonna lie, it got me a little hyped, and I'm not like a big John Wick fan. Hey, have you seen the like other ones? Little... Have you seen them all? No, I've, I've only seen that one, yeah. Wait, you've only seen the first one? No, no, no. The, I, I thought you meant the trailers. Is there more than one trailer? No, no, there's only one. Oh, okay. The, yeah. the Seasons in the Sun. Yeah, that's the one. I have uh, a new funeral song. I picked that one. It's a little better than my way. I'll, I'll tell you that. Look, man, I thought that it was sticking to your convictions and being moral in an immoral world. Turns out it's a song for assholes about assholes who do asshole things. I didn't know. Yeah. That's 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 what he do, Yug. That's what he do. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. I think it's going to wrap it up for this episode of The Rollback. Yep. Uh, next uh, week... Do you want to do Megan or do you want to just do the top 10 next year, next week? Let's do Megan. I, I would like one more week to catch up on a few other 2022 films. And then after that, we can do a top 10. Sounds great. All right. Well, sounds great. I'm going to, we're going to do that then. Uh, I hope I'll get to watch Megan this week. It looks like I'm going to watch it by myself because I'm surrounded by people that don't like scary movies. Um, nice. But it looks good. You saw it has to 94% on Rotten Tomatoes and people are giving it like really high scores. I heard. I heard it's it's doing really good. So I'm kind of curious how it's going to be when we get there. Look, last year was well, 2022 was a great year for horror. And the fact that we have a horror movie coming out on January that is doing really high numbers. Like I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Maybe I'll see it and I, and I love it. Maybe I'll see it and I hate it. But what if this is a sign of like good things to come? Like that's the that's the only thing that I can imagine. Yeah. What if this is well twenty twenty three the year of the horror film? I'll take it. I mean twenty twenty two was already a pretty good year for the horror film. I I'll happily take another. This is the year that the Nun Two is supposed to come out. Uh, this is the year where we get a new Ari Aster movie. Uh, like it's can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. Well, All right. Hope. So, well, that should cover everything. Thank you so much for joining us this week. On the Rollback Podcast, my name is Chema. I've been Eddie. And this was the Rollback. With a reminder, don't watch this movie with your parents. It could get a little awkward. Also, sorry for the audio difference. It cut out right before we were able to give that ending. So, bye everyone.